0: Welcome to the Book Junkie Podcast. This is a podcast where I discuss diverse books with my friends and interview authors about their amazing books. My friends and I talk about plot, themes, quotes, and how the story relates to us in real life, especially because we're teenagers. It's pretty much a casual conversation. It's just, you guessed it, all about books. When I interview the authors, I have an opportunity to pick their brain about questions and other things I notice in the book. It's really awesome because you, as well as I, get an inside peek of what the book is all about. Let's get into the episode. Today, I am joined by the lovely Miss Kim Johnson, who is the author of This Is My America. She's a college administrator who maintains civic engagement throughout the community while also mentoring black student activists and leaders. She has a degree from the University of Oregon and the University of Maryland College Park. This Is My America is her debut novel. And in fact, it really reminded me of Dear Martin by Nick Stone. It explores the racial injustices in the government and the corruption that prejudice can bring. I love this book so much that I, Honestly, couldn't put it down. Ms. Johnson, thank you so much for coming to talk to me. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so
1: excited um, to be here and talk books and just show your praises because you are so amazing yourself. So I'm excited and honored to be here.
0: <laughs> well, thank you. Um, so When you first started writing the book, what was the impetus for the concept? And in what ways do you connect to the main character, Tracy?
1: Yeah, really good question. I had been reading Dear Martin. I mean, sorry, um, Dear Justice at the time. This was before um, a couple of the sort of more prominent young adult books came out, like Dear Martin and They Hate You Give. And when I was reading it, I felt like it was representing so many of the issues that are going on in our world around the criminal justice system and that connect to just our own communities. Um, And I was writing young adult work. um, I hadn't had anything published yet. And I was still trying to find my voice. Um, And during that same time was right around where Eric Garner, almost Mm -hmm. six years ago, couldn't Breathe because of what happened to him with police. at At that time, my son was six, and he came down our stairs while we were watching the news, and he immediately saw it and was like, "What is happening? What is going on? Why won't they stop?" And that really stuck with me for a really long time. And I decided I wanted to do something more with my with my writing work. Um, just want to go back to having read just mercy. I really felt like, since I think about teens, and I work with a lot of teens and young adults, like, what would their life be like if they were put into this situation? And so I just started writing, I wanted to write a story that connected to not only issues of police brutality, and that sort of first interaction of our, you know, um, criminal justice system, but the full cycle of what can happen if you're wrongly convicted, and the impact it has on a family. And so, so that's what I started writing, and why I started writing it. And there's so many ways that connected with Tracy. I wrote Tracy, the main character, to represent all the activists that I work with, and even thinking about myself as a young activist when I was really involved in, you know, social justice organizations like the NAACP Youth Council or Black Student Unions or um, multicultural um, student union groups where I often would lead. And I wanted a character character that had a lot of agency and was doing something to make the world better, doing something to actually solve what was happening with her own family.
0: That book really highlights some traits in Tracy that are relatable for a lot of teenagers that I see today because they may share those same experiences. And I know for a fact that a lot of people share the same experience she had where her dad was in prison, he was wrong convicted. And that's just how the American government system is working and it's so flawed. And it really destroys the family unit for a lot of African-American families and other families that are minorities. So what do you think about the disproportionate incarceration rates for Black men in America, and how did that play into writing this story?
1: Yeah, it's it's so profound when you talk about it, too, and that, and that you're recognizing it. And I think we're seeing it a lot in the world right now as people are looking at our current criminal justice system, is that, you know, the U.S. population of African American and, and black people are about 13%. But if you look at incarceration rates, they're at 45%. If you look at time spent disproportionately by race, you can really track the data all over the country. There's not one state that actually has an equal weight of looking at the crime versus the time actually spent. Um, And this is something that's been going on for decades and decades. I do a lot of, of research just because of my college background, of looking at just the history of where our prison system came into play and it really stems all the way looking back at slavery. Um, when slaves were freed, um, that wasn't something that was widely accepted. In fact, there was a lot of fear around the fact that now, um, slaves that had been mistreated who were African American, um, would now be, be out in the world. And so they actually, um, started to have these patrol wagons where they would take mostly black men, black boys, if they were on the street, arrest them for what they called loitering by just being out in the community and would then send them to prisons. And while slavery wasn't accepted anymore, there was a clause in what we what we call the 13th Amendment that said slavery could still occur if it was for payment of a crime. And so that history is so long in our country, the fear mongering that occurs in terms of when you suspect someone is guilty of someone or up to something, um, and I use quotation marks on that language, it disproportionately impacts African American community because race plays such a huge factor in looking at, you know, our communities that, you know, are um, over policed, and, you know, over harassed in terms of those that are targeted for being pulled over or just like basically walking while being black. And that impacts our communities. And so I really wanted to demonstrate and explain in a way that could reach young adults for them to understand why that there might be issues in a community or why that there's this sort of like legacy that occurs that if someone is incarcerated, that their children are almost three times more likely to also at some point be incarcerated at some point in their life. And so uh, I really wanted to demonstrate the bias that was there and using the model of like someone who actually was wrongfully incarcerated as sort of a baseline to look at this terrible thing happened. And not only did it happen, now it's going to happen to the next generation. So I really wanted a lot of those themes to be there and not just focus on one aspect of our criminal justice system.
0: Yes. And I think that In the book, the relationship between Jamal and his father and the way that the public looked onto that relationship, especially because the father was already incarcerated, demonstrated that it's really a stigma. They, number one, didn't know for sure that he was guilty, even though he was incarcerated because there was such a lack of evidence and so much, you know, It was just fake. They were making things up just to convict him for the fact that they wanted a conviction and because they already had that bias and wanted to feel comfortable. But then it fell on to the children and it just shows how they suffered because the world was not rooting for them, especially in that specific community. Going back to the 13th Amendment and the big boom of incarceration rates for Black men and Black people in general, from then to now, what do you think about the treatment of Black people in America as a whole and around the world, especially with more recognition for the Black Lives Matter movement right now, and how did that impact the writing of this book?
1: Yeah, I mean, if you look at all around the world, the treatment of Black people and just colorism- that occurs in terms of the darker you are, the more mistreated or misjudged that you are. It doesn't just happen in the United States. It happens all over the country. It actually even, it even happens in Africa. um, When you look at colonialism that occurred and where people outside of the continent wanted to come in and, and basically try to run, run Africa, run all these, you know, large countries, you know, and it stems from a lot of different places, but how I really try to to write about it in my story and why, you know, I think about the mistreatment is that often it's looked at as if there's an issue with black people and it's sort of this pointing the finger rather than pointing it back at society and pointing back at what are the reasons why they actually are mistreated what are the reasons why you know you have these sort of rates of incarceration You sort of are looking at it to the black community when really they should be looking at they're underfunded you know they're not supported they're targeted they're harassed they don't have the same you know benefit of the doubt. If someone is, you know, walking on the street, who are they actually going to try to harass versus, you know, someone that they might just let go or not even bother or follow in a store, all those different kinds of experiences. And so I really wanted to write about that because I feel like there's a lot of blaming that's out there without actually looking at the root of the problem and really owning up to, you know, that it's actually not The problem of Black America, it's the problem of our society and even white America's lack of recognition of their role in creating this system that really is unjust. And so, you know, I started talking just about Eric Garner and how that spurred my interest in wanting to write this story, but it also was my students. So I work at a university, I work with college students and seniors in high school, and a lot of them right after Eric Garner and Mike Brown and the um, protests that were occurring in Ferguson, where the Black Lives Matter movement really basically began I wanted to be able to talk about it in my story. My students were mobilizing. They were very organized. They created a list of demands for the campus that I work at to respond to that would address their needs, um, and not only their needs, but the needs of Black staff and faculty. And I just saw how they had that sort of that energy that, that I had when I was younger working on similar kinds of issues around police brutality. And so it really um it really inspired me to think about how can I use the tool that I am using to have a voice, which is writing. And so I really wanted to honor my students and honor just students all around the country. And I think the most amazing thing is I wrote this story at the time, you know, started writing it several years ago and I I didn't know what people would think about it. Like I didn't know people actually would believe all of the things that I knew to be true in terms of the cycle that's there, white supremacy, not only in your face, but the way that systems are built, bias in not only policing, but investigation and how difficult it is to actually free someone. I thought that maybe I was trying to put too much in a book, but right now with everything that's happening in the world, I think that there might have been people a month ago, who would have picked up my book and been like, I don't believe that most of this is even possible, would now look at it and be like, Oh, my goodness, there's so many stories that actually are just like the story that I'm telling in this book. And so I, for me, I believe that it's like, if you speak the truth, the more power you actually can employ to make change. And I hope that my story people see, even though it's fiction, that it's a part of like telling the truth,
0: yeah, and I'm I'm glad that there is such a big response to issues like this now because the issue of over-policing and corruption in the government has been such a big problem for a very long time, but it hasn't really been recognized or it's been recognized and pushed down again because, in reality, Black people in America are starting on a lower step. We have to climb harder. We have to work harder and Everything is just more difficult because we are looked at as less than, even though we are all equal. And I was wondering when I was reading the book how Tracy's life would be different if her father was never placed in prison, specifically on death row because that played a big part in how she interacted with the people around her, would she have such a large interest in journalism and investigations or would she be on a different path? Yeah,
1: that's such a good question. And I think I try to play around with that. I'm trying to be really intentional to play around with that in my story by having a lot of different characters that based on the issue that happened um, in their lives, that it really changed the trajectory of their life. So Quincy was a character in the book, for example, who lost his father unjustly, and it completely changed not only his life, but his relationship with Tracy. You know, I have another character, Tasha, who's Tracy's best friend. Her lived experience sort of like changed the way that she responds and, and acts to her friendship. Um, and I do think that there are pivotal moments in people's lives, that where there's so much promise and hope and possibility that these these things could actually occur so quickly that their life could completely change. And I wanted to demonstrate that in the story. And so I think it's such a good question to think about. Tracy was living her life, um, and this never happened to her father. Her father could have been a huge businessman, and he could have built up his community, and she could have had a lot more opportunities. But then the reality is, is that because a lot of things haven't changed, there could have been another challenge that faced, or, you know, her life experience, there might be more things now that she can do in her life. Like she she could become a big time lawyer focused on saving other people. And this was sort of the trajectory that happened. And it's it's so many different different ways that people can have their own life experience and, and basically how do they survive through them can be can be so many different options, but what I, you know, would really really want to focus on is that it's not fair that someone's life path had to change because of injustice put onto their family. You know, it's not fair that her brother Jamal had to then become quote unquote the man of the family and had to balance all these different things, trying to take care of his family, trying to take care, you know, of his sister, watch out for her, working a lot so he can make money to help help for the family, which kind of took away maybe even his possibilities because his dream to go to college, it could have been anywhere in the country, but he wanted to choose somewhere close to home. And I don't, for him in particular, I don't think that Jamal, Tracy's brother, would have chosen Baylor to go to college. I think that he just found that as the best option for him because he wanted to be close to home. So it's all these little moments that change people's lives. And I think Tracy just tried to make the best of it. And I think her future is hopefully still very bright. And I imagine her doing these amazing things. But it's kind of sad to know that well we don't know what the other tracy without these burdens without this pain you know what other beauties could occur in her life
0: yes and those kids they had to grow up so fast and although it may have shaped their experiences that changed their future on a different path and made them go on a different trajectory like you said it isn't fair that it had to happen that way, that their dad had to lose so many years of his life, that they had to lose so many years with their father. And people really take that for granted, especially people who don't understand that this is an actual problem and take their lives for granted or take their parents' lives for granted. And I saw a little bit of myself in several of the main characters, like the curiosity in Tracy, the strength that her mom had, especially with her husband being incarcerated like that, knowing that he was innocent, and the compassion shown in Jamal, and especially the relationship with Corinne. So which character did you connect to the most? Yeah, I'm
1: similar in, you know, your sort of view is... There were so many different pieces that I saw in other people that I felt like were reflections of of me. I think the most probably was a combination of Tracy and Jamal. So with Tracy she was someone who just attacked the situation and took control and wanted to do something and like i can totally see that in you like i write for people like you who are like doing these amazing things with this podcast and like running things and and wanting to talk about these issues and so much of that are what inspires me about the future and basically hope for our future and young people part of um, the other character that i did resonate as i was saying before was jamal because jamal was he was actually really responsible he loved his little sister Corinne in the book and just joked around with her and was sort of like a rock in in the family for her and i and i find like i'm a middle i'm a middle child and my middle name actually means like rock it means like the stable person you know who holds it down in the family and i think that that's a lot of my my personality is to try try to like be there for people and so I sort of saw myself in both those characters
0: I love that especially that your middle name means rock that is so fitting for somebody you know especially because I feel like you're a strong person especially because I could feel the way that you put your emotion and the just the way that you wrote the book in general Mm -hmm. if you had to add one extra character to the story who would that be and why Oh, you know, I there's so many characters in the story, but
1: I actually wish that I would have been able to do more is actually spend more time with Tasha in the story. Um, Because, you know, there was so much going on as a a writer, you don't want to necessarily overwhelm the reader with with so many things happening. But it was so important to me that she had like a close, best friend that almost mirrored her life, but had different experiences. And I feel like there's for a reader, there's probably people probably would love to explore even Tasha's life a little bit more. And so I think I would have spent more time with her the other is um, Steve in the story. He, who was um, a young attorney that working for his father's Innocence X project, I would have loved to spend more time with his dad because his dad to me was sort of like the Brian Stevenson in the story, who Brian Stevenson runs the Equal Justice Initiative. And so I think I would have spent more time. But like, what would I'm so curious. What would you have wanted to see? Like, what did you feel like? Like, oh, I wish there was a character like this.
0: Okay, so when I first looked at the description of the book, I was like, exactly what I wanted Tasha to be. I thought in my head, I really hope Tracy has a girl best friend who is just her support system and really close to her. So because you just said that you wish you elaborated on Tracy is really interesting because that's exactly what I thought. And I also thought that the relationship between Tracy and Dean was something that's common between teenagers right now, especially because Tracy is black and Dean is white. And I don't Think that it's something that people should just glaze over because there is a difference between those two groups of people and everybody should feel equal but systematic racism has caused my generation specifically to suffer from the consequences because it's kind of like forbidden relationship or romeo and julian not in every sit- setting and not in every community but especially in tracy and dean's situation she was always uneasy because he was white and she was black but i think that added another layer to the story so what made you write this dynamic into the book yeah
1: such a deep question and um i'm i'm glad that you picked up all of those pieces because i was really really thoughtful with wanting to explore not only just an issue of like police brutality but like i my main character i wanted to write to well, I want a I want a book that's approachable and readable by anyone but specifically I really wanted a place for a black girl to feel seen and also for a black girl to be loved and I think that there isn't enough done in young adult literature where there are first off just black girl main characters but those that actually have a relationship and, and relationships, you know, aren't a value of everyone, and so I definitely recognize that, especially if they're you know hetero relationships, that isn't necessarily sort of the model for everyone. But I really wanted to have an experience where it could help maybe explain to a lot of black girls who feel like that maybe they're not desired, or maybe they have difficulty actually finding relationships. I felt like that, you know, as a young person growing up in a predominantly white community, where around me, I was just a, I was a friend to everyone. Um, But I was never someone who people would, least outwardly say or expect for me to be have a relationship with, with, with someone. It was just expected that I was basically kind of going to be the side friend that would join my friends who were dating uh, my my, white, white, friends that were dating. Um, and I, you know, I sort of wanted to really display this dynamic, um, without going at, I don't do any spoilers um, into the story, but I really wanted also to her to have options in the story. Um, I also wanted to demonstrate the unfairness that it was okay for Jamal to have relationships outside of his race, but he was sort of judging Tracy in her having a relationship with a white boy. And I think that that's something that just continues to play in an unfairness in what we see in society about what's accepted and not accepted. Um, And, you know, it's sort of expected or, pressed upon, you know, that, that black women have, uh, you know, that they do it alone, they do everything alone, and they'll even be single, you know, like everything in their life. And so I really wanted to play on that. And the last thing I really wanted to do in telling that story, I also wanted to show a dynamic of a true friendship of people who actually really, really cared about each other. They were of different races, but because Dean was white and Tracy was black, she couldn't actually fully freely be herself because she did feel like she was judged. She didn't feel like she could actually freely go into Dean's parents' store unless his mother wasn't there. And then, you know, also just speaking to the reality that there are a lot of white kids today who have diverse friends, or maybe think about diversity in a different way than maybe their parents are. And I really wanted to emphasize that it's their responsibility to actually put pressure on their parents to dismantle their racist thinking and behaviors. And I don't think that that's done enough. And so I really wanted to make it be you know, uncomfortable for them. And I didn't want Tracy to sort of coddle Dean, I wanted him to experience discomfort because as a black person in this country, we experience discomfort all the time and we don't have people consoling us. And so I really wanted to sort of represent a friendship that people would want to root for, but show all the hardships, all the ways in which the thinking, even him having a best friend who's black, that there still could be bias in his thinking and there can be bias in his family and in his community. Community.
0: And I think that even goes into the strong black woman stereotype and the fact that it's a double standard. I see this a lot. Mm-hmm. I see that black women and black men, sometimes black men get upset when white men are a, in a relationship with a black woman and they blame the black woman and say that like they're disowning the black community, which makes no sense to me. <laughs> but then When a black man can go and date all the white people he wants, it's fine, it's accepted, and it's fetishized. My thing is, everybody is a person. Mm -hmm. Like, we're all humans. It's just the amount of melanin. It doesn't make sense to me why it has to be such a big issue if you're attracted to somebody outside of your race. And it's very, very possible to appreciate all races and be attracted to somebody else who's outside of your race because of the person they are, not just because of their skin color,
1: you know? Yeah. I mean, that's exactly it. And I I see it. I saw it when I was going to college about what was okay. And all my Black female friends were pretty much single. And all the black boys had multiple girlfriends, (laughs) um, multiple relationships that they were in. And I see it in my students now, 20 years later, that it's just not as accepted and okay. And I'm seeing more of a change. I'm seeing more of a like, a freedom. But if, if, if people can find love in so many different ways, I'm not sure why it's sort of like looked at differently. I think regardless, if you're in an interracial relationship, you need to do the work to understand, especially to understand the experiences of the um, the, the ones that are marginalized and underrepresented if you want to actually really honor that partner. But yeah, the discrepancy, it's actually really tr- its troublesome.
0: I agree with that because I think it's all about compassion and empathy at the end of the day and understanding where the other person was coming from. And I saw a lot of those themes in the book, especially between the relationship with Quincy and Dean and Tracy and all of those people who are really close to her. In some way, they were different from each other, which was an important thing to add into this story. What was the hardest part of writing the book? Um,
1: I think the hardest part was not trying to was trying to balance not over explaining so much in this story. There are some really serious complex themes that I was trying to cover and I didn't want to over-explain it because I wanted a reader to reach for it if they weren't familiar with something in the story. And so I really tried to balance it as best as I could. You know, I think the other part was that there was just so much I wanted to cover. It would be like a thousand page novel if they would have let me, <laughs> if they would have let me do it. And no one wants to read that. That's too long. And so I think that was like the hardest part for me was not trying to put everything in this book book because my goal as a writer is I want to be able to tell a lot of different stories. And so I think that was, that was the hardest. Um, and I think the last piece was just trying to honor that I was, I was trying to focus on a generational impact story. And so that means that meant I needed to spend some time thinking about, um, the father in the life without the father, but then also trying to keep it in the very current now of what Tracy was focused on with Jamal and trying to to find a story. And so I think that was probably the hardest balance to write, you know, in the book.
0: It's totally important to find that balance. And when I see writers who like you want to put so many different stories into the world. I really appreciate that there is an effort made to get into the different perspectives of the characters and even the stories themselves. So, what was your favorite part of the writing process as a whole? I think my favorite part was writing like a really
1: dogged, determined, black female character, because I felt like I was, I was writing for all the like little girls growing up who wanted to like be able to have that experience. And so I think just imagining even as hard as it was, it really was cathartic to try to take the issues of the world and feel like I could actually resolve them in a story. And I could actually control, I think a lot of like what we're experiencing now for those of the, us that are, you know, paying attention and caring about what's happening to black people in this, in this country is that there's so much that doesn't feel like it's out of control. It's so much feels like we just can't fix it. And so for me, I really like, I enjoy the opportunity to be able to write something that addressed an issue happening, but you know i could have a main character who could discover explore be a part of solving an issue or trying to resolve an issue and and it was just being able to be in that narrator's head for so much and so much of that writing process like i felt like i was like outside of myself writing like i felt like there was so much inspiration that was happening that it almost wasn't even like I was writing it. It was sort of like this out of body experience and it was just an amazing experience to, to be a part. And now that I'm looking at like the timing of my book coming out and what's happening in the world, I felt like part of that energy to write was coming from another place, you know, a higher power, higher being, you know, um, And I know that there's people who don't believe in that kind of stuff, but I do believe that there are people who have a purpose. And I think that everyone has a purpose. And if you can tap into it, you can make broader impact. And that's really what I'm hoping I did with my book.
0: I love that, especially because in the book, um, Tracy was my hero. She, She was so strong. She's just like her mom. She knows how to get things done, and she doesn't give up. A lot of times in young adult novels, you have the strong Black women stereotype, but then there's this constant theme where they feel down, and there's just this feeling of despair. And although Tracy was going through so many things with her dad and her, you know, friendships and Everything that was going on in her life, I think that she was a character that really showed that black girls have magic mm-hmm. and that we just get things done. So, thank you so much for talking to me today. I really loved this conversation because I got some insight into your mind and I got to hear more about what is now one of my favorite books mm. ever.
1: Oh my gosh. <laughs>
0: Yes, I love this book so much. Is there anything else that you want to say? No, I just, I really enjoyed being able to talk to you. And, and I'm hoping
1: that your listeners, you know, pick up the book and whether it's the library or their school or whatever the case might be, and that they read the story and put their mind into the heads of all of the characters in this story and try to figure out who do they think that they are and who do they want to be so
0: that's amazing if you liked our conversation be sure to follow or subscribe to the book junkie podcast on whatever platform you're using right now if this got you interested in reading this My america by kim johnson you can pre-order a copy on her website caseyjohnsonwrites.com or you can wait till it releases on july 28th once it releases, you can purchase a copy from Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. If you'd like to know more about me, visit brownkidsread.org, which is the website for my nonprofit. You can learn about my personality, my undying love for books, and how I turn that into a nonprofit that helps others. You can also follow Brown Kids Read on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, all at BrownKidsRead. Also, don't forget to follow Miss Johnson on Instagram at kcjohnsonwrites. I'm glad you made it to the end of this episode, and I'm so happy you decided to click on the Book Junkie. Thank you so much for listening, and be sure to come back for more of my friends and I discussing diverse young adult books and my conversations with lovely young adult authors. Until next time, Book Junkies, bye!